The reading this morning is taken from Romans 8, starting at verse 14. That's Romans 8, verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. There's a second reading as well um, from Ephesians 6, uh, verse 18. Ephesians 6, verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Thank you, Liz. If you've uh, got your Bibles, do keep them open. Um, You might want to keep them open either at the, the Romans passage or Ephesians 6. But uh, let's just pray before we start. Holy Spirit, please help us now to learn more about how to pray. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's difficult to pray, isn't it? Even in a week of prayer, we find it difficult. And if you're thinking to yourself, actually, no, I don't find it difficult to pray, then that says two things. It either means you're not really a Christian, or it means you're not really praying. Because prayer is difficult. Christian prayer is a struggle. And it's bound to be, because the devil doesn't want us to pray. And sometimes, when we're finding it tough, I'm not sure that a verse like Ephesians 6, verse 18, helps very much. A verse that tells you to pray anytime, anyhow, for anything. I think sometimes that just makes you feel worse, doesn't it? You think, well, I'm not managing that. And then perhaps even worse, people say, lockdown is such a great opportunity. We have this extra time. And you think, well, actually, life doesn't feel like that. I'm zoomed out. I'm worried sick. We're in an era of anxiety, apparently. doesn't help me very much just to be told, pray more. Well, look at the verse again, if you've got it open. Uh, Ephesians 6, 18. Because Paul actually doesn't say, pray any time, anyhow, for anything. What he says, is he says, and pray in the Spirit. Anytime, anyhow, for anything. And that's an important little phrase, isn't it? Praying in the Spirit. It's what makes Christian prayer unique. 
So that's what we're going to think on for a second and then see how it applies in practice. And there are, there are two sort of principles, or two extremes rather, that you might hear when people talk about this idea of praying in the Spirit. There will some who say, well, that's just a Christian praying. Goes back to Liz's reading. All Christians have God's Spirit in them, so praying in the Spirit is just praying. And others will say, uh, no, 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 praying in the Spirit is something more experiential. And uh, if you know your Bibles, you'll think of verses like in Revelation that we're looking at in the evenings, where John says he was in the Spirit. Paul uses that, that, that phrase. And we say, no, 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 that involves visions and, and, and tongues and all sorts of things like that. Well, there's truth in both those points of view. That They've both got elements of truth. But actually, it's much simpler than that. When we're praying in the Spirit, actually, all we're doing is praying as one of God's children. And we're praying just as God would like us to. So that Romans 8 passage we had, verse 15, it says that the Spirit makes us part of God's family. The Holy Spirit, if you like, is God's DNA. And that DNA is in us. When we put our trust in the Lord Jesus, we inherit God's DNA. And that's why Jesus says he calls us his brothers or his sisters, if you like. It's why we're described as God's family, his children. It's why we can call him our father or dad or or, or our daddy. We are God's children. And the other thing the Holy Spirit does, which follows on from that reading we had in Romans, you might see it if you cast your eyes down, uh, verse 26, it tells us that the Holy Spirit helps us. The Holy Spirit is helping us to pray. Intercede is a word that some versions use. Or pleading for us. He's going beyond whatever our words can bring to God, whatever our thoughts are. And he brings them to God for us. It's incredible, isn't it? It means that when we're praying in the Spirit, we are praying as part of God's family, sort of using the family language, really. And that means that we can be sure that he's listening to us. Because the Holy Spirit's helping us. So that's the sort of the theory, if you like, but, but how does that then work out in practice? When I look at what Paul says here about praying anytime, anyhow, for anything, how do I do that? What am I going to do this week? Well, imagine you're an Ephesian. There still are Ephesians. You can still go to Ephesus. People still live there. How do you think they responded when they heard this, perhaps for the first time, from Paul? I guess first century Ephesus, before you, you, you knew the Lord, you, uh, you thought, mm, business isn't looking very good. I'd better pop down to the temple of Diana. That was the big one. I guess there were others. Other gods were available. But pop down to the temple of Diana and just pray about the business. Pray about my family's health, whatever it is. Maybe make some sort of offering. Um, And then toddle back from the temple uh, and get on with life. So you prayed when you needed to and you went somewhere to do it. Now I would guess that if you're not a Christian that would still be your idea of what prayer is. Someone on Alpha the other day said, prayer is a hundred people mumbling in church. 
that's a pretty, pretty standard view of what prayer's all about. Prayer is something that happens on Sundays if you need to. That's just a wrong view, isn't it? Prayer in the Spirit is completely different. We're not coming to try and persuade God to do something. We're meeting up with our Heavenly Father. And that is why we can pray any time. Now, family life in lockdown has been so weird, hasn't it? Uh, especially coming up to Christmas, we're all having to make arrangements. It almost feels like we have to ask Michael Gove's permission before we can meet a member of the family. Our access is limited. But Paul says, family life in God's family is the exact opposite. We always have access to the Father because the Spirit is in us interceding for us. And because we're in the Spirit, it means access to God anytime, anywhere. In family life, uh, we try and keep in touch with each other, don't we? A a well-functioning family uh, talks to each other. We keep the relationships alive and healthy by that communication. So how do I do that? Well, uh, you might find fixed times helpful. Uh, If you were in a monastery, you might still be getting up eight times a day to pray. If you think seven o'clock is daunting, two o'clock in the morning, I suspect, would be even worse. That probably is a bit beyond most of us. Uh, On the other hand, I think a lot of us have probably reduced prayer to once a day. We often call it a quiet time. Well, that's hardly praying all the time, is it? So there may be something to to be said for this idea of fixed times of prayer through a day. It might help us to remember to pray. It might bring us back to God in prayer. It, it, It may feel a little bit formal, but why not give it a go? Uh, while I've been thinking about this sermon, you, know, you always have to preach to yourself a bit, don't you? I thought, right, well, around about 12 o'clock every day, I'm just going to try and stop and pray. Maybe just say the Lord's Prayer. But just introduce a little bit of point in the day when I remember to pray. And it doesn't have to be at some unearthly hour in the morning, uh, whatever you think that may be. Maybe that's your habit already. Uh, in which case, here's a simple thing to do, add another one on. If you already pray then, add another time on. Why not? Just bring ourselves back to the Lord in prayer. The other way we pray all the time is just look for those opportunities or use the opportunities. You know, those moments when you're you're standing in the queue outside Tesco's in the drizzle, being miserable. It's a chance just to pray, isn't it? We wake in the middle of the night and the brain's racing. It's an opportunity to pray. You need a stretch break between Zoom calls. Just an opportunity to perhaps walk around the block and pray. Because we're family, we talk to God anytime, anywhere. So that's one part of praying in the Spirit. Being able to pray to our Father anytime we like. But I suppose what leads on from that is, well, if I'm going to pray more often, what am I going to pray about? Well, Paul says we use all sorts of prayers. We pray anyhow, if you like. In other words, 
we're not just asking for stuff. There should be variety in how we pray. Of course, most people do pray. Most atheists actually pray occasionally. People pray for things, don't they? And it could be trivial, could be really important. If you watch Bake Off, I'm pretty sure Laura was praying that her jelly would set at one point. No, we pray for all sorts of things. But actually, just praying for stuff generally is not what Paul's talking about here, about praying in the Spirit. Look what he says. He says, pray in the Spirit with all kinds of prayer. Just go back to this idea for a moment of being in God's family. And I don't know whether you're in a family, whether you've got children, maybe you are a child listening, grandchildren or whatever, but an awful lot of conversations at the moment seem to be starting with, can I have for Christmas... Look, what I'd like for Christmas is. And it's all right, occasionally, but it gets pretty boring, especially if it starts in October. It doesn't make for a great conversation, does it? Now, a normal family conversation would be much more mixed, won't it? It'll be things like, well, you know, sorry I'm late, sorry I missed that phone call, uh, asking how you're doing, saying your hair looks nice. People say that to me often at the moment. Uh, moaning, moaning about lockdown or whatever, asking for help with fixing the computer or whatever it is. There's a huge variety, isn't there, in our family conversations. And if you unpack that, what that means is it involves praise and saying sorry and saying thank you and complaining, all sorts of different things and in different ways. Phone calls, emails, conversations, whatever. Now just think, how does that compare with our prayer life as we talk to our Heavenly Father? I wonder whether our prayers very quickly just get reduced to a list of things, the sort of the Christmas gift list that we want to work through. I wonder whether my prayers actually do include that mixture of praise and thanks and requests and confessions and even complaints because that is a biblical model for prayer actually it's how Jesus taught us to pray if you just think about the Lord's prayer for a moment it is that complete mixture isn't it of praise and confession and request and some of it is very humdrum give me some bread some of it is extraordinary yours is the power and the glory forever and ever complete mixture of what Jesus is talking to his father about Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer. Sometimes we say, well, what was he doing all that time in prayer? Going up mountains all night? Well, one of the things he was almost certainly doing was using the Bible's prayer book. That's the Psalms. And if you look at the book of Psalms, you find that same mixture. Praise, thanks, saying sorry, asking for help, and laments, complaints. Psalm 13 is a great example. How long, O Lord, psalmist says, how long will you forget me? We're not used to that, are we? But it is a real mix. And I think my prayer life is so often a quick bit of praise, quick bit of confession, and then rush on to my list of requests. Well, praying in the Spirit means a mix. And we can use the Psalms to help us. Uh, We can use worship songs or hymns to help us or poems or whatever helps. Perhaps just to widen our prayer life 
and to get beyond just that list of stuff we're asking for. And I think, by the way, that variety in prayer, for some, will include praying in tongues too. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says we should desire that gift. It's a way of being able to pray and talk with our Heavenly Father. Um, We don't often focus on it, but actually it is a gift, a gift of tongues that is there to help us pray. So our prayers should be full of variety in how we pray and what we pray about. And I think very often our prayers feel more like Faulty Towers Gourmet Night, don't they? Everything is on offer, but we end up with a single course of duck and a smattering of other stuff uh, to go along with it. We're not enjoying that rich variety that God offers offers us. And that means that, frankly, if our prayer life is difficult or boring, sometimes that's our own fault. If we just reduced it to that one course meal, no wonder sometimes we find prayer hard work. We need sometimes to rediscover the gourmet meal of praying in the Spirit. So we can pray anytime, we can pray anyhow, and we can pray for anything. Paul says, look, he says, uh, talk, uh, talks about all kinds of requests. And he, and he says, pray for all the Lord's people. In other words, don't just pray for your own little stuff. Don't just pray for your own bubble. We can pray for anything. We can bring anything to the Lord. That feels a bit difficult too, doesn't it? Where do we start? It's like the people who say to you, you say to someone, what would you like for Christmas? And they say, surprise me. And you think, oh no, please, just, just give me a clue. It would be much more helpful if you could tell me what you want and then I'll go and get it. How do I know what to pray for? Well, in some ways it's a very easy answer. We simply pray for whatever God wants. Because when we pray in the Spirit, we're praying according to God's will. Romans 8 says that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, but there's an important bit attached to that, but according to the will of God. James 4 says we don't see answers to prayer because we're asking for the wrong stuff. Our motives are wrong. See, the Holy Spirit may help us in our prayers, but he isn't there to try and persuade God, to change God's mind to suit us. That's why Jesus in the Lord's Prayer says, your will be done. The whole prayer is based uh, on that thought, God's will. It's God's Spirit in us praying. So of course we're praying, or we should be praying, in accordance with God's will. And I don't think there's any wonder then that we get discouraged and we get frustrated when we don't see answers to prayers. Because actually, of course, what we're seeing is we're not getting what we want, which is not the same thing as seeing an answer to prayer. Now, so how do we pray in the will of God? Well, one thing we don't do is stick, if it's your will, amen, on the end of every prayer. You know, a bit like those radio adverts you hear on local radio that always end up with blah, 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 and then they go, terms and conditions apply, blah, 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 at the end. And it's a sort of caveat. It kind of means you can almost ignore the advert because that's, you know, it's not really genuine. There's something about that when we say, in your will, amen, or something like that at the end of a prayer, isn't it? This is what we want, but just in case it's not what you want, God, we tack that on at the end. If we're to pray in God's will, actually it means 
Well, it means we're going to have to spend a bit more time, perhaps, working out what God's will is. And as I've been trying to live this over the last uh, couple of weeks, few weeks, thinking, how do I pray? You think, well, sometimes that seems pretty obvious. Sometimes I haven't got a clue. And sometimes I realise I've been assuming what God's will is. and never really stopped to think what it might be. We need to wait on God a little bit more sometimes to understand God's will. So how's God going to tell us his will? Well, it might be through visions. It might be through dreams. It might be through our feelings. We've poo-pooed feelings a bit recently, I think, from up here. And actually, maybe that we slightly balance is slightly wrong because feelings are important. God does speak to us through, ways, through those ways. That's perfectly biblical. But the normal way for us to learn God's will is through the Bible. The Bible is the sword of the Spirit. So we pray in the Spirit using the sword of the Spirit. They both go together. They are both spirit, part of the spiritual tool set, if you like. So we need to look at our Bibles to understand God's will. And that's especially true if you do feel you've had a dream or a vision or a strong prompting that there's a certain course of action you need to follow. We don't just say, oh, God's told me to do this and off I go. We go back to the Bible and test it. And the same is for prayer. We don't just follow our feelings. They're important. But we go back to Scripture, the sword of the Spirit, will help me to pray in the Spirit. And you know, that process may mean we need to rethink how we spend our prayer time. Tim Keller says that actually we probably need to spend a lot longer understanding God's will than writing out long lists. That long lists can actually work against a good prayer life. We need to invest our time in looking at scripture to understand God's will. So we pray generously. We can pray for anything, anytime, anyhow, but always praying in the Spirit. Now, here's a question as we finish, really. What do you think the Ephesians did when they read this letter? How did they respond? Did they listen to what? Paul said, do you know, I think probably the answer is no. Praying in the Spirit means we come to God as his child. We talk to him. It'll involve listening to him. We enjoy and use the gifts he's given us. We can pray any time to him. We can pray about anything. It means we're enjoying that gourmet night and not just that one-course meal. And yet, in the book of Revelation... Jesus talks to the Ephesian church and he says, well done on your doctrine, really good, top marks. But he says, where's your love gone? You almost get the sense that the Ephesians have listened to Paul say, pray anytime, pray anyhow, pray anywhere, pray for anything. And they just missed that little bit out about praying in the spirit. Let's not do that. Let's pray in the Spirit. And we can do that anytime, anyhow, and for anything.